February is African Heritage Month in Nova Scotia. It's a time to celebrate the rich culture, achievements, and contributions of African Nova Scotians and communities of African descent in our region and across the nation. Nova Scotia has more than 50 historic African Nova Scotian communities with a long and complex history dating back over 400 years. This February, the Sanctuary is collaborating with Immigrant Services Association of Nova Scotia, also known as ISANS, for their Artist in Residence program. This program aims to recognize and celebrate special months dedicated to the diverse communities of Nova Scotia by providing resources to newcomers. As part of this project, I'm interviewing four different Black artists living in Nova Scotia. Hello and welcome to The Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the hearts. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today is author, creator, and just an all-round awesome person, Lindsay Rock. Thanks for coming to The Sanctuary today. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> okay, I remember I was at the Black Conference, I'm not saying the name properly, but, I, and you know, I saw you and then we talked about your book. I'm like, oh my God, you're interesting. I need to have you as a guest <laughs> in a podcast. Um, so let's start with the whole writing, writing thing. How did the writing start for you? Pretty early. Um, I mean, not published, that took quite a bit of time. But uh, the love of writing was when I was quite young. Uh, I tell this story a lot about going to see Maxine Tynes at the Dartmouth Public Library, the Alderney Library with my mom when I was like seven, and just being completely enthralled with her. Um, the way she strung her words together, her skin was like mine, she had curly hair, and I was just amazed. And at that age, I went home and just started filling notebooks. Uh, and it was really exciting for me. So that was the start of the writing. And an author was kind of like a pipe dream at the beginning, because I didn't really know how one went about it. But I was just so in love with writing itself that it didn't really matter what would come out of it. It's, it's therapeutic for me. Mm. Okay, so you, you did this thing, right? Did you like study it uh, in school or it's just something you love doing? So I studied journalism uh, at Carleton University in Ottawa and the goal was actually sports broadcasting. So my- Oh, wait, 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 wait. Why sports broadcasting? So uh, my other love is, is sports. I played all kinds of sports growing up um, and I would love listening to the commentary. I'd sit at home and watch the basketball games and watch soccer, uh, football, hockey, not as much. But I just love that idea of having the mic in my hand and talking about sports all the time. It just seemed like the best job ever. So I studied uh, broadcasting at Carleton University. I did some local uh, community sports and covering games in Ottawa. But then writing was still always happening. Um, and when I started writing my grandfather's biography, which was my first published book, that's when I took a pivot, sports reference, and <laughs> decided I really needed to focus on that first love. And yes, I will still love sports and talk about them all the time, but I changed focus because I realized that my hobby could potentially become a career. When did you, uh, why did you decide to write your grandpa, uh, uh, grandpa's biography? Sure. So his name was Calvin Rock, um, and he was a huge social rights activist, very involved in the Nova Scotian community, 
constantly fighting for human rights, uh, social justice. And he was someone who wrote a book called The Black Battalion, Canada's Best Kept Military Secret. So he was kind of the closest thing to an author I knew. And he was in my family, which was really exciting. And we knew that his story was amazing. When I say we, I say my family. And we knew that if he could have written it himself, he would have. But he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he was also declared legally blind. Um, so that wasn't going to happen. So in university, while I was studying journalism, I was also writing just chapters and snippets of his book. And I thought, why not start with something I'm so passionate about, with a topic I know really, really well that I'm really comfortable with, although it was still daunting. And that was a really safe space for me to kind of venture into this idea of being an author and writing about my grandfather is just the biggest honor in the world. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, you wrote it. How long did that one take to write? <laughs> I don't remember. I remember a lot of tears. <laughs> I remember a lot of, <laughs> I can't do this. Like, just what, is, what am I thinking? Um, because I was in university at the time, so I was kind of doing mm. it at night. I was doing it when I wasn't in classes during the day sometimes. So I would say a few years, which is not a very specific number, but a few years, I would say, until I had the courage really to give it to a publisher and then for them to say, yes, we want to see more. And then I really mm. started honing in on it and focusing on it. And I'd say that process was like a year from beginning to end. What um did you call the book? Winds of Change, The Life and Legacy of Calvin W. Ruck. He always used to term winds of change. And when he would give speeches, he would say the winds of change are blowing when he would talk about kind of things changing uh -huh. racially in Nova Scotia and Canada. So that was just the perfect title to go along with his life. Yeah, and that battalion you talked about, I think we've mentioned, talked about it. We want to share that story a little bit. Yeah, so that was his book um and the black battalion was during the first world war uh people flocked to recruiting stations they wanted to serve their country but black men when they got to the front of the line they were told to go home uh they were told this is a white man's war they were told we don't want a checkerboard army and they were sent away so for two years this war was going on uh and they were petitioning at home saying we want to serve our country we're fit to fight Two years later, because men were dying overseas, they needed people. Uh, they decided to form a segregated battalion, which meant it would only be black soldiers. Uh, the captains would be white, except for William mm. White, who was their reverend. And then they formed this segregated unit and it was a construction battalion. So they dug trenches, they built roads. There was a lot of logging duties. They defused landmines. They removed men from the front lines. And they risked their lives every single day, but instead of weapons, mm. they were giving shovels and pitchforks. They weren't given the proper mm. supplies. Many died just going overseas because they weren't even given any type of escort or support to get to France. Um, so it was mm. very dangerous. And yet they did always. And then they returned home after risking their lives. And there was no, you know, thank you for your service. There was no parade. So for years and years, and then a hundred years, People have found ways to honor these men. And it started, in my view, with my grandfather, who wrote his book, who had a reunion of the men who are still living. And it was at the Lord Nelson Hotel in Halifax in 1982, nice. which was amazing. So a lot has happened since then. And there's been this snowball effect. But 
their story is amazing and they're Canadian heroes. Mm. So we're just finding ways to honor them whenever we can. Mm, mm, mm. And um, you wrote this book. Okay. So when did you decide, cool, I'm going to write something else? So, I mean, I, it was brave for me to do the first one, but even then, once it's out there, I still didn't feel like I was calling myself an author. Um, wow. And I think it's hard still to say, you know, what you do sometimes to say I'm an author. I always feel like I need other things sometimes, but now I'm finally kind of standing in this truth that I am an author. But the mm. second book actually came out of a connection to my grandfather, and it's about uh, the late and former premier John Savage. So he did a lot of work in Preston with my grandfather. Uh, he made a lot of controversial decisions such as the amalgamation, uh, which is a hot topic. And his life was also really interesting. I have to write about things that I'm interested in and things that I'm passionate about. So despite having zero interest in doing nonfiction and biographies, all of a sudden I had two under my belt. And then the third one, Amazing Black Atlantic Canadians is about 50 plus individuals. So it's kind of, snowballed from my grandfather's book all these different biographies mm. you know what i was thinking um with the books you've written so far are they, is the process the same is there any difference between the different books you've written yeah it's never really the same for me um and maybe that's just because i haven't completely found what works yet i don't know but mm. i always things differently. And I think for the third book, Amazing Black Atlantic Canadians, that's for younger readers, I thought it'd be easier, which is very naive of me. I thought, you know, it's a book for younger readers. It's not as much. It's not as intense. But it was tough because you had to think about all the language you were using. You had to think about what kids would understand. Uh, mm. What can you share? You had to make sure you were getting all these facts straight. And it was about 50 plus individuals, which is a ton of research. So for me, it takes a while to get into a groove of writing these mm. different books because they're all about different people who have different stories. So each process, I think, is different. Mm. Mm. So uh, the amazing Canadians, the image is right there behind you. I love that. <laughs> uh, I really love that cover. Was the how did that get made? Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so the artist is James Bentley, and he's in Montreal. So I've actually never met him. We've only emailed. That's the only contact we've ever had. But basically, I gave them a wish list to the publisher, Nimbus Publishing, of individuals I'd like to see illustrated. I couldn't pick all of them. Putting colored pictures into a book is very expensive. So mm -hmm. I had to select a certain amount of individuals, and then they kind of narrowed it down. They sent me all of James' work, and I gave the final approval. So I did feel like I was a part of the process. Um, and then this is the finished product behind me, which is amazing. He's captured mm. these individuals so beautifully. How did you decide, like, so many amazing Black Canadians, uh, Nova Scotians, and I'm like, how do you narrow it down to these 50? Because it's spanned across the years, and how did you narrow it down? Yeah, so it's people who are no longer with us and who are still alive, and that covers a ton of people. Um, and it was very difficult. And I know sometimes I'll do different interviews and they'll say, why don't you include so-and-so or so-and-so? <laughs> so I, I always say there could be volumes of this book. Um, mm. For me, it was based on sometimes information I had. If I didn't have enough information about an individual or if there were certain things I could not um, guarantee that I had the facts straight, 
they would be an individual maybe who I wouldn't include because I wanted to make sure I told their story properly. Um, mm-hmm. I also wanted to make sure it spanned. It's Atlantic, Canada. So it had to expand to these different places and have some sort of a balance. So mm-hmm. those were kind of the ways that helped me narrow it down. But still narrowing it down to like a little over 50, I had far more on my list before that. And okay, so you have these 50 or so people. What happened from there? So once I gave my list, this book started as just wanting to write a book about the number two black construction battalion. So I had one thing on my list (laughs) and that was going to be my focus. I was done. The manuscript was done. And then Nimitz Publishing said, what about a book about 50 plus individuals? And I thought, great. And I said, that sounds exhausting. (laughs) I guess I won't be moving on to my next book. I was excited, um, but that's when I really had to hunger down. And that's where I really realized it would be a ton of work. Um, Mm. But it was really, really interesting because I was learning about somebody new every single day. And I was Mm. connecting with individuals who could tell me their stories or connecting with the individual themselves. And they told me their story. So Mm. it was a really cool process. It put me in contact with a lot of different people. And it really opened my eyes to just how many amazing people we have who have been such huge parts of our history, who a lot of students and kids don't necessarily know about. So it was a process and there was no kind of logic to the writing. It was all over the place. Um, But I really enjoyed the process and seeing it all in this little package at the end is incredibly rewarding. Okay. I'm going to steal your spot reference and pivot. (laughs) (laughs) Good, right? <laughs> I, I, I pivot from the books for now and talk about what you do at the DB, DBDLI Center. Do you want to share that? Sure. So still somewhat book related. Um, that's what first attracted me to being at DBDLI. I've always kind of been paying attention to their work. They're an amazing not-for-profit organization. Mm. Um, there's so many moving parts. There's research, there's youth, there's publishing. So I was really drawn to the publishing aspect. They have some amazing books like the ABCs of Viola Desmond. They have an entire black history textbook, which is jam packed with information. So for me coming in, I think the goal was to continue to uh, promote and expand on what's already there and also open up to new submissions and to new stories. So I'm very excited that this month, uh, my first kind of as publisher book will be the ABCs in North Preston, which is amazing. And we started to plan a launch and I'm so excited because this was done by students at Nelson Winder Elementary School in North Preston. Uh And it's just, it's a community book. It's a book for a community, but it's a book for anyone who wants to learn history. It's it's educational. So Uh that's, I'm already seeing kind of why I was so drawn to this because it's going to be amazing to see these kids and have them hold that book in their hands. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of other pieces to me being at TBDLI. There's educational pieces. So taking this history, some that's found in my books, and figuring out how to make it interesting, how to put it into videos uh, or how to put it into little workshops or things that teachers can use in the classroom. So it's a really fun uh, position that I'm in, and it's really just finding creative ways to promote and expand and highlight African Nova Scotian history and heritage. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, if I'm getting it right, you're coming from an author to sort of being a publisher. Um, Are there any differences you've noticed wearing those different hats? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. I'm on the other end. I mean, for me as the writer, I submit my work and then I kind of sit back and wait to hear what's happening. But now it's mm. a not-for-profit, which means it's a publisher of one. <laughs> I am the only person. So I'm receiving the manuscript. I'm editing the manuscript. I'm revising. I'm going back and forth. I'm doing the printing and working with the graphic designer. I'm seeing how every little part of a book is created. Uh, and mm. certainly on my end, it's giving me a new appreciation for what that means to bring a book together, uh, mm. not only in hours, but also in money and in time mm. that it takes to get it done. It's a lot to bring just a little book to life. So mm. it's given me a new appreciation of all the moving parts behind the scenes that I think people don't really think about when they pick up a book in a bookstore. There's so much that goes into it. Mm. The ABCs of uh, No Preston is coming out. Mm -hmm. And um, is there like a platform for people that might be watching or listening to this episode of the podcast and like, oh, I have a story. How can they get that across? Or is that not planned? <laughs> you mean for other people to figure out how they can publish their, their stories? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, that's the goal um, of this little publishing wing in the corner of my office. Um, it's to get more submissions. It's to help people tell their stories. But I think unlike other publishers, it's also working with individuals. So the goal is to have writing workshops. Uh, the goal is to have a mentorship program so that it's about developing and honing your craft and yes, potentially publishing, but giving you what you need and the tools you need to get to that point, um, which I think is a really important step that some individuals, minorities especially, are not always given. So we mm. will eventually have, you know, on our website, these are the submission guidelines because no, don't just call us and say, I have a book idea. <laughs> <laughs> I will emphasize that. Um, yeah. you, you still need to go through a bit of a process because we already mm. have people who are so excited knowing that we're trying to develop and expand. Um, so we will need to put some process in place. But mm. it's really exciting to think that there are so many stories out there um, that I might be able to help tell and to help bring to life for different individuals. Mm. Okay, that's good to know. I'm, I'm going to be on the lookout for that myself, <laughs> too. I was asking for a very selfish <laughs> reason. <laughs> you made a little mental note there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you have these books out there. Are you working on anything now? I have another children's book coming out in the fall uh, with Nimbus and children's books are really the goal for me. I just love them. And YA. Why? I just, I think part of it's because I'm a mom now and I have two small children um, and they can't read the books that I have right now, but they can absolutely pick up a picture book. Like this one is called My Favorite Color and the little girl in it, the illustrator is doing amazing work. She kind of looks like my daughter and it's just that representation piece that I want my kids mm. to have. Um, and that can come across so well in children's books. So I have mm. that coming out in the fall. Um, I'm working on another one about kind of grief and trauma for young uh, individuals. What, what are you going to call it? To be determined. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. How do you do that? How do you no, do that? I like, I, I, I can't. Um, so sometimes I, I, I make films and, and I suffer in that I can't start writing until I have the title. So I'm always envious of people that can just start writing. I'm like, I'll figure out the title later and the title will come to me. I'm like, teach me how to do this. So how do you write this really, really 
important book and you're like oh no you know i'll figure out the no, title the, later. the title is always for one of my books the title's been the last thing um wow. and usually it's because i can't think of a title and i cannot spend any more time trying to think of a title <laughs> so my hope is that the writing by the time i get to that last page i'll be yeah. like ah, there's my title that's it that's <laughs> it wow okay yeah no i don't have that of feet myself <laughs> i'm like i need to have this rudder or like a mm-hmm. uh, destination to get to yeah that's and... impressive though that's that's a skill no it's slow it's very slow (laughs) no it's very slow so like um i might have this idea and i'm sharing it i'm like this happens and this happens but i can't write it down like because i don't know what the title of this thing is Mm -hmm. um and then and then anyway eventually i'll figure a title and then the writing will begin so whenever i'm seeing people like yourself that you can just like I guess maybe I have to try it, but I'm not brave enough. (laughs) You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. (laughs) So, Lindsay, um, you know, your writing is heavy, heavy, heavy book and stuff. Um, Your mom, you're doing the work at DVLI and stuff. What are some things you do to take care of yourself? (laughs) It's a good question. Uh, And it's a question everybody should be asked. Uh, for me, writing is my self-care, um, which kind of sounds like I'm not answering the question. But honestly, writing never seems like work to me. Yes, when I'm going through like the intensive editing phase and the revising phase, that's like the heavy lifting. But when I'm just writing, like when I really like writing poetry just for me, um, so that's something I will do for myself. And every time I just sit down and just write anything, I immediately Mm. feel lifted and I immediately feel better. Whenever I'm dealing with any emotion, happy or sad, I write and I immediately start to feel that burden lifted. So writing is such a huge part of my life and it is my biggest form of self-care. Being with my children, while sometimes exhausting, is also huge. I need to be present with them and I'm, I'm figuring that out the busier I get. I feel so good when I'm only focusing on them and we're just doing whatever they want to do together. Um, So Mm -hmm. my family and writing for me, my two biggest forms of self-care. Sleep is also very important, which I don't always get with the little kids. (laughs) When I get it, it helps. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, that's good to know. That's good to know. I I was also thinking, I mean, you you mentioned um, bringing a multimedia aspect to your books and, and stories that you've been working on. What are some of the things you envision for this? Good question. Um, I don't think I have a very clear vision yet. I think I know that using uh, visuals are a huge part of learning uh, for any age. So yes, putting them in a book and words on paper is how I present it in the first moment. But I think finding other creative ways to tell stories is really important. And you're going to reach a whole new audience when you do that. So Mm. I think a lot of the stories I tell could become very visual. And some already are. Some of the individuals in Amazing Black Atlantic Canadians, I've seen little things about these individuals here and there. I watched like a YouTube video. So there's certainly a lot that could grow from these people. Um, Mm. And it could be as simple as a short little snippet clip, just kind of key things about their lives and images and then that's it and that's something that could be played in the classroom 
and they've learned something new and a new of an individual for the day. So I don't really have a clear vision of what all of the visuals look like, but I think it's a really important part of learning. Uh, and I'd mm. love to incorporate it more into my book. So it's not just words on a page, you're bringing it to life in other ways. Mm. Mm. No, that's great. Actually, that's another selfish thing. I'm trying to pitch myself for it. <laughs> um, so, so, um, I mean, do you, one thing about, you know, people that write, um, some of them are like, I don't do it on the computer that has internet. Mm. Or, or like the Game of Thrones person that writes on a computer that has an, a software that is not even in existence anymore. <laughs> how how do you like write and then make sure you don't have that distraction when you're writing? I write everything on paper first. <gasps> oh. Right? Right? I know. It's two times the work. <laughs> it probably drives publishers crazy. But wow. I can't I can't stare at a screen and get the same creative outcome that I can mm. when I put a pen to paper. I just can't. Uh mm. so I have notebooks all over the house, which my husband loves. Um, and they're just stacked up because I also feel once I write. I don't want to get rid of them. So I'm also keeping right. a lot of these writings. Um, these are keepsakes for me. Everything mm. goes on paper first, then it goes to the computer. And honestly, sometimes it becomes a wow. whole new look once it hits that computer because just something fresh comes and then I'm typing and it goes mm. to the computer. But I have to get it on paper first or it's not It's not coming out of here. Mm. I don't know why. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so a good gift for Lindsay is a notebook. <laughs> yes, I... <laughs> I got a bunch for Christmas and I was so excited. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so one of the things that, you know, it's the start of a new year, all that stuff. Um, everyone is like journal, journal and stuff. For someone like you that writing is your work in a way, how do you differentiate like, okay, I'm writing a book or whatever versus like i'm writing for myself do you ever do that like journal or do things that is just for Lindsay? yeah i think so um i think sometimes i hope it will turn into something that is not just for me um but when i do start like especially poetry um mm. i have a lot of kind of random poems and notebooks all over the house and they probably will not see anywhere else except for my eyes but it's, you know, when I lost my grandfather, it was my first book about, I wrote a poem about him and it was the best thing I could have done in that moment. And I will keep it forever. And that was for me. I shared it with my family because I knew that the emotions I was feeling, they were also feeling. So I think it was helpful for my kind of close inner circle. But those are the times where I'm writing simply for me. Um, it's therapeutic. It has no other kind of deep meaning that's going to go other places. It's just to help me feel better in that moment. And sometimes mm. it's some of the most beautiful things I humbly say that I've written um, because there's so much emotion behind it. Mm, mm, mm. So are you ever going to write uh, fiction? Yes. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> And I know it's rude to point, but yes, because uh, right now I'm working on a YA novel 
Um, and I've been working on it for like a decade. Yeah. 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 So it's going to take some time, but I love fiction. Like I had zero plans to do nonfiction. That was not the plan. I wrote so many short stories growing up in small chapter books. Um, Mm. So the, yeah, fiction, I absolutely want to get into that realm. And I'm praying that this 10 plus year manuscript eventually does hit a bookshelf because I love it and I loved writing it and it's just Mm -hmm. a slow process for me to get to the end where I'm happy with it to share it Mm -hmm. with others um I love fiction you get to create um you can make stuff up which you can't do in nonfiction, Mm -hmm. which is really tough so you're creating characters and plot lines and it's so fun so yeah fiction I would say is definitely in my future okay so this one has a title, no title. It does have a title. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because it's like the first one, but I think right at the beginning, it's called Being Ryan. And I think it had a title from the beginning, and it's about a teenage girl named Ryan. Um, and it's, yeah, simple title, but it fits the story perfectly. So hopefully, it's, it stays Being Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> what what I, I learn about why is usually, you know, you create this amazing world and you just build stuff inside. So your world for for you to have been working on it for years now, it's pretty well defined. Do you see this going to be like a series of book or is being ran going to be the only one? It's a good question. Um, because when I was writing it, I was writing it thinking, oh, this could be a series. And maybe if I did this or didn't include this yet, I could include it in the next one. But that was holding me back from actually getting through it because I kept thinking like, oh, no, I'll save this for the next one. But that's a hypothetical next one. So eventually I put the series idea out of my head for now and I'm just focusing on this one book because that was just dangerous territory for me and very unproductive. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's always nice to think you could have a series of a character you've created. Like someone wants to read about them again in another book. That's amazing. But mm. for now, it's a, it's a one. Just a one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've taken so much of your time, but I'm going to let you go with this one, though. Okay. You've had this amazing trajectory. You just love writing. Now you're published also. You're kind of actually publishing people's books and then you have all these things in the in the pot. And then I'm wondering, you know, someone is out there watching, listening to this episode and they're like, how, what do I have to do to get there or, you know, to get published? What will you tell this person? I think your why is really important. Um, I think your why is the key to your success. So why are you writing? As soon as I just wrote, and wrote because I love doing it. Um, that's when things started happening for me. And as soon as I had the confidence to put myself out there, that's when things really started happening for me. And there's still, I mean, I am nowhere near, I hope, where I will be. I still feel somewhat emerging um, and, and learning and getting through the process of writing and being an author. But mm-hmm. just don't stop writing. Writing is a muscle. You have to exercise that. You have to flex it to show what you can do, but you just have to keep doing it or you will lose that muscle. So for Mm. me, I'm just constantly writing. And if you genuinely love writing, you think I could do this as a career, just keep doing it. Take the writing workshops, find a mentor, work with others, be around people in that creative space. 
Mm. And it will happen. You just have to keep putting yourself out there and keep doing it. Wow. I knew this was going to be an interesting chat, Lindsay. <laughs> thank you so much for your time and sharing all this and uh, mm -hmm. also indulging my super selfish questions. <laughs> Always, always. <laughs> it was great to have you in the sanctuary today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.